I love all things skin and rejuvenation. I love to help the client figure out what to do at home and also what to do in clinic. I also love to teach the fellow aesthetic doctor, aesthetic nurse, and med spa owner how to do what I do as well. If you are an aesthetic practitioner, clinic owner, head on over to buildingyourbeautybrand.com where I have a free training, register for it, and you can also hop on a call with myself and a colleague and we can help support you in your quest to supporting others achieve and receive powerful rejuvenation outcomes. Again, if you are an aesthetic practitioner or med spa owner, head on over to buildingyourbeautybrand.com and I look forward to guiding you in helping you achieve and receive powerful rejuvenation outcomes for your patients in your clinic. Enjoy today's episode right here on the School of Radiance podcast. Welcome to the Rachel Varga podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Varga, double board certified aesthetic nurse specialist since 2011 with over 20,000 rejuvenation procedures performed. I'm an international clinical trainer for other physicians and nurses as well, celebrity skin expert, having been featured on some of the world's top proactive aging podcasts and much, much more. Learn more at rachelvarga.ca and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to today's episode right here on the Rachel Varga podcast. I am your host, a humble human on a mission here to help you get the best hair, skin and nails of your life. And in today's show, I'm going to be sharing something extra juicy because I recently connected with a neurologist, Dr. Joseph Uman. He specializes in epilepsy and sleep medicine, and he actually booked a consultation with me to learn about ways to optimize his skin and all of that. So this is exciting to uh, have both a client and clinician here on the show. And it's it's always such a pleasure for me to, and it's also very validating to me when other doctors and nurses and healthcare practitioners book sessions with me and are wanting to know what's in my brain. But today I want to know what's in Dr. Joseph Uman's brain, because when we met, he actually shared something with me that was truly fascinating, that in my experience working with the skin since 2011, going to the biggest skin plastic surgery rejuvenation conferences around and speaking and being a researcher, I never, ever once heard this connection between skin lesions and brain lesions and even Parkinson's. So he kind of blew my mind. Here I am teaching Joseph Uman about the skin and, and hair stimulation and, and how to rejuvenate certain things. And then in return, he taught me something that blew my mind. So I was like, Dr. Joseph Uman, will you come on the show? Will you share this with us because what I love to teach people is how to become more in tune with your body, mind, spirit, and energy, how to listen to what some of the different signs that the skin is trying to tell us. And the skin is actually something that we can learn to read, which can give us clues into aspects of our body, mind, spirit, and energy that we need to pay attention to. So this is going to be a very exciting show because we are discussing the clear skin and clear clear brain connection and what the skin tells us about our brain health with a currently practicing neurologist. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. We have Dr. Joseph Uman joining us today, who was born in India and came to the United States at the age of one year. He grew up in Tucson, Arizona. He completed his medical school training with residency in neurology 
at the University of Oklahoma. He completed fellowship training in epilepsy at Stanford University. Subsequently, he went into academic practice where he served on the neurology faculty for five years at the University of Texas Medical Branch. During his time there, he served as medical student clerkship director. Dr. Uman then entered the world of private practice and currently practices in Beaumont, Texas, where I have a number of clients that live where you live. So if you're tuning in and you want to connect with Dr. Uman, check out the show notes of this episode. He does have his contact details there. He sees patients with epilepsy, sleep disorders, dementia, Parkinson's disease, ALS, Gehrig's, multiple sclerosis, migraines, and other neurologic disorders. Welcome, 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 Dr. Joseph Uman, MD, neurologist specializing in epilepsy and sleep medicine. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Rachel. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a, it's truly a great honor uh, to be on the show with you. Um, and uh, I, I love that everybody brings a unique part of the puzzle and being able to connect with, with other people who see these parts of a puzzle is just truly exhilarating. <laughs> And it's also very handy because before, thank you, I received that compliment. But before we started recording, I was actually able to answer some questions for you since our consult that we had even just last week. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. It was your heavy, heavy workload of client care to share with us on the show this fascinating concept of clear skin and clear brain connection. If we have lesions on the skin, that can be signs and signals that there's actually lesions in the brain that you said. So I'd love for you to expand on that. The first, the first, sure. I always love to ask everybody on the show, uh -huh. what is radiance to you when a client works with you <laughs> and they present as being this just like really healthy, positive, radiant individual, what are some of the traits and characteristics and lifestyles that they practice. What is radiance to you that you notice as a neurologist, as a medical doctor? Huh. I think probably the most, uh, I guess, prominent aspect of radiance is um, something that shines through in their personality. You know, if uh, if a person truly has joy and peace inside, I think it it really shows in um, in their interactions. Uh, several patients come to mind. Um, I I get a chance to see you know some patients that are. 90s, sometimes over a hundred, and um, a lot of times I ask them, "What do you do?" Because really, they're they're teaching me, you know, <laughs> how did you get to that age, you know, and what's your secret? And um, you know, I've I've been surprised so many times. What they tell me is, you know, they find fulfillment and joy in being where they are, uh, doing what they do, and that aspect of fulfillment, not only for themselves, but for those around them, I think is a key part of, of radiance. Oh, I love it. So let's go a little bit deeper here. Because yes, I started to make that same observation in some of my clients that were aged 60 to 90. I was asking them, what are you doing for your body, mind, spirit, energy practices? So for the body, they're moving their body, they're balancing both um, strength and conditioning, cardiovascular flexibility, and then for their mind, they have crafts, they do music, 
for their spirit, they do have some type of spiritual connection. Um, and then for energy, they're doing things that are very grounding, like yoga, like Qigong, like getting in nature, having this very well-balanced lifestyle. I, I even wrote a whole book on it, Unlocking Your Vitality at rachelvarga.ca. So that's me taking notes out of my client's playbook. So could you expand on some of the practices of body, mind, spirit, and energy of these clients that you're thinking of? So what my clients do or what I tell them to do? <laughs> Why don't we talk about both? Okay. So in terms of um, what my clients do, I've, you know, a lot of people, they're uh, into gardening or somehow working the land. And um, I have found that people who live off the land, they just intuitively have so much more in the way of healthy habits. Uh, so you know, gardening, it, get, it gets you up and moving, it gets you in different positions, all of that. You, don't, you know, normally in the clinic, I'm having to break it down into different tasks and strategies. But when it's actually part of what you're doing, you know, you're moving, you're compressing your veins, you're getting lymph to flow, uh, and all of that while getting some, uh, bringing some you know, life and culturing life uh, on, on the earth um, and, and, you know, giving and getting back from uh, the earth, uh, you know, it, uh, I, I think it, it's kind of inbuilt in all of that. Um, I think I've talked with you in the past about how, you know, I, I actually treat the body as kind of a, an ecosystem, a garden, basically, where you have to culture these different things. I've, I've heard some people actually heal themselves of some pretty surprising things by working with the land. And, you know, you think of getting your hands into the bacteria, the mud, all of that, the, you know, um, the soil, basically, and, and um, healthy soil is kind of has a parallel in the body, a healthy gut. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's, um, uh, that, that's what I hear a lot of in, in terms of the, um, uh, long lived, healthy, successful people. Um, when somebody is in an office working, you know, you kind of have to break it down. You have to do different things to encourage lymph flow. So, um, you know, like manual lymph drainage, um, th those are excellent habits to have. Uh, perhaps the biggest, most important thing in terms of the body itself is the nutrition. Uh, there is, there's no way to get around um, using nutrition uh, in terms of optimizing the health. Uh, and when I, when I take a nutritional approach, I'm teaching them about how to balance your autonomic nervous system with food, which is, is a very strange concept. I mean, if you had told me that at the end of medical school, that that's even possible, I would have been very, very puzzled by, by a, a connection like that. But um, every all of our habits basically work to push the autonomic nervous system in one direction or another and that includes our thought habits uh you know the patterns of thinking that we have uh will push our autonomic nervous system in one direction or another and it's important to have strategies to keep those things in balance so um you know and again i i think it 
starts from a top down, you know, the mind, right? And so uh, I give a lot of strategies to patients who are dealing with stressors. And there are so many stressors, especially with COVID recently. But even before that, you, you see people beaten down by stress, by sleep deprivation, and it's ha it's taking a big toll on on individuals and and, and the nation actually uh, as a whole. And so, getting them back to these healthy habits is is priority number one for me. Wonderful. And you talked about lymph drainage actually in Skin Camp, which just to let you know, you were the first gentleman to ever <laughs> register for Skin Camps because this last one actually opened it up to the gents as well. I was like, oh, before I just kind of wanted to keep it like the feminine energy, but no, it's like, let's let the guys in too. So you were <laughs> able to see me actually perform my skincare and all of that. And while I'm doing that, I'm performing lymph drainage of the face and of the neck and yeah lymph drainage is really key just to get those toxins moving ground you mentioned gardening and, and this grounding and that's essentially helping our red blood cells to have wonderful um, balanced electromagnetic interactions so there's a huge science to grounding and i'm writing a paper on grounding and the skin actually for more radiance your wife's also an oncologist. So here we have power couple, neurologist, oncologist. I know you have children. So staying balanced uh, is is everything. When you have a, a, a clinical practice, like that's that's a big deal. And you have two in the family and a fam and kids. So I mean, that's huge. So when I look at you, Joseph, I see a lot of radiance in you. So give yourself a pat on the back. Because yeah, you well, have thank the radiance. You. <laughs> You're welcome. I would love to hear your story. And of course, we're going to be diving pretty deep here into the skin and brain connection and what clear skin actually tells us about brain. And if you have skin lesions, it could be early indicators of brain lesions as well, because you mentioned some recent research. But I would first like to hear your story, because you are a professionally trained medical doctor, neurologist, you're now in private practice, and you're specializing in a few different things. So I'd love to hear your story as a, a human, as a father, and as a highly specialized clinician that I would dare to say is starting to look at things in a bit of a different way. And I look forward to helping you on your journey towards becoming this incredible, you know, this is what I talk about here on the show, not medical advice. It's educational information only. If you think you have a medical condition, seek the guidance of a licensed physician. Bonus points. If you can find that allopathic licensed physician that also understands the functional. And when I see you, which I do see you, uh, <laughs> Dr. Joseph Uman, you are that type of healer that understands all many worlds, not just one world, not just in a box. So I want to commend you for the impacts you're making in your clinical practice, but tell us your story, please. <laughs> sure. So um, in, you know, I, I kind of always knew I wanted to be a doctor when I was a kid. Uh, not very creative. Most, uh, most Indians are either doctors or engineers, and I kind of fell right into that stereotype. But uh, there are uh, a lot in the family, so it, is, uh, it does give you something to talk about at, at the dinner table. So, <laughs> But uh, yeah, going into medical school, I tried to keep an open mind as far as what I was going to go into. Uh, and, uh, you know, my father is 
actually a neurologist as well. And uh, the apple didn't far, fall far from the tree. He is also an epileptologist uh, too. But I, going through all my rotations in medical school, in residency, I really fell in love with neurology because the way you approach a lot of other medical fields, there's a lot of memorization. And I always found that if you understand something, you remember it effortlessly. It's almost like there is a story behind a process. And once you understand what that story is, you it, it's effortless to understand what's going on. And what I found studying in medical school was that there were so many disjointed disease processes and that takes a lot of memory to kind of just, okay, this is the symptom of this particular condition, and this is the symptom set for another one, and there's so much overlap. How on earth do you keep all of that straight? When I started neurology, I saw an organized process for approaching diseases, and and that was that first, first thing you do is, number one, if you're trying to solve any problem, whether it's in life or medicine, you have to define the problem. Once it's defined, then you can try to localize it. And the localization of a process tells you a lot about what it is that's actually underlying what's going on. Once you have that, then you can kind of work on the solutions and the different possibilities that whatever it is uh, could, could be. So this the localization process in neurology is almost chess-like. It, it has a very logical, organized progression. And here was something that I, my mind could grab and understand, and it made sense. And and I could, I fit naturally with, with that whole process of thinking. And then during medical school, I did uh, hear about something called the ketogenic diet. It is something that is well-known, well-established, very strongly established scientifically to help with seizures. And I wondered how on earth, my dad being an epileptologist, I knew that you know you had to have seizure medicines to control seizures. And how on earth did food go so far as to control you know, sodium entry into a channel. I mean, how on earth does that happen? Um, and the fact that food is that powerful to bring seizure control just blew my mind, but I had no idea what it was. It's just people knew that it worked, they've done it. And so, you know, they, they kind of repeat the process. So, um, you know, later on, I, I started to learn more about it, especially during my fellowship about ketogenic diet. And then, um, then once I got out into practice, I was kind of free to explore things. And I just had to explore it further because if, if it can bring, you know, um, healing there, what, what was the mechanism and what could it be used for apart from seizures? And slowly I started to discover that really the ketogenic diet, it, it's not so much the ketogenic diet. It's, it's what you're doing to heal the underlying biochemical disarray for lack of a better term and and that's what the ketogenic diet really does in many cases now some people it's not going to be appropriate for and and that's something i've, I've learned over time but you know i started to run across uh, uh, things and i realized my goodness this should be good for multiple sclerosis this should be good for 
most of the autoimmune conditions that I'm seeing, there should be benefit. I started looking it up in the literature and people had thought of this and they were using it. And, you know, sometimes you get results, sometimes you don't, but you do see some effectiveness here and there. Not, not, um, uh, these things weren't perfectly controlled now looking back, but, uh, you know, there's so many variables that, that could be at play, um, now that I know more, but, you know, I started seeing this and then I started thinking, you know what, this should really help with cancer. Looking at the cancer literature, you start to see, oh my goodness. In 2016, I think it was, I went to the international conference on the ketogenic diet. And uh, yeah, there is actually such a thing and they have all, all the academicians there. So to see all my colleagues there, you know, me being there, uh, and then listening to all of the stuff about the ketogenic diet, how it helps seizures. Uh, interesting thing I learned was that it doesn't matter how ketotic you are. In other words, you don't have to push the ketones in the urine to a certain level to actually get the benefits. It's actually other stuff that's happening at a mitochondrial level that's normalizing things. And a lot of disease filters through effects on mitochondria. So healing the mitochondria, um, you know, that's, that's where the deeper levels of, of healing are, are actually taking place when you come from a physical perspective. Um, so in that conference, they actually showed a, um, a case study of a person who had glioblastoma multiforme. Glioblastoma multiforme is, is a type of brain cancer that you literally have months to live. Even with chemo, even with slash, slash burn and, you know, uh, uh, chemotherapy, radiation, all, all of that, your, your long-term survival is just not very good. And they showed this image before and after ketogenic diet. After the ketogenic diet, this large, maybe four or five centimeter mass was reduced to a hole. You couldn't even see the tumor. Okay. That just blew my mind. And, you know, when other folks in the conference saw that, we said, they said, we need to do studies on this. We need to actually get organized in terms of, of figuring it out. And so I, I know a lot of people are working on that, but there's so many interesting things. People are, have been actually kind of aware of these types of things going on, but it, um, it's, it's, I think it's hard to do studies on diet. They require, it's the studies to get FDA approved are, are um, they require a lot of rigor and, and that also involves a lot of expense. And for something that can't really be patented, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, that needed, needs government funding if it is going to be studied. So, um, so yeah, uh, that's, you know, when, when I see all these things, you know, it just gets me curious and hungry for more is, is how is all of this working? Um, you know, later on, I started to realize the connection between the diet and the autonomic nervous system. And, you know, the autonomic nervous system is the highway from the mind to the body. And that has taken me full circle because now I realize that a lot of healing actually has to occur in the mind before it can possibly occur in the body. And so um, now I'm trying to give patients strategies to, to handle those, those stressors in their lives. And uh, it's just been, it's been a blast learning about all of this stuff. And uh, um, it's taken me a, a, in a turn that I never thought I would go. <laughs> Has it been a glioblast? 
<laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> you know, my uh, my junior fellow, it, it does get a little personal. You know, uh, when I was training um, my junior fellow one year less than me, uh, he also came to Texas. And uh, when I was uh, when I was in Galveston, um, he was doing studies up in Houston, running clinical studies. Uh, one of the uh, uh, test subjects for the study didn't show up, so he thought he would jump in the scanner, and he was found to have a glioblastoma multiforme uh, tumor. And I thought, oh my goodness! Um, I I told him what I knew at that point, and you know we made a little progress on it. I, I did see some regression uh, between when he started, um, kind of more of a, a ketogenic diet. Um, but it was difficult to maintain. Um, and, you know, when something is affecting the brain, it affects your awareness. And, and so, um, I, you know, I had heard that, you know, there were candy wrappers here and there. And, and, and so, you know, these things spike the insulin. You know, at, at the ketogenic conference, another thing that comes in as far as this human factor in terms of applying these things is that one of the physicians got up during the conference and related a story where it, he was a physician from India. He said, you know, we had actually known that the ketogenic diet helps with glioblastoma and tried this on a patient. And uh, the patient was doing really well, uh, got complete regression of the glioblastoma multiforme. And then uh, a couple years later on follow-up MRIs started to notice something was coming back. So he goes back to the to the mother and says, you know, the patient was doing really well. What happened between now and, and then? And she said, well, I just felt so sorry for him. I had to give him some sweets and goodness, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like a mother's love. She wants to see the enjoyment. She feels the sorrow for having such a, you know, restrictive diet. And then unfortunately it, it causes the tumor to grow back. And, and that was just their story. And, and by the way, again, this is, I'm not recommending the ketogenic diet as a medical therapy or treatment. I'm just kind of relating things from my experience. That's wonderful. And then you also came across some information talking about skin lesions and brain lesions. I would love for you to talk about this skin health and brain health connection in particular to skin lesions and what they could potentially be early warning signs of. And for a lot of you tuning in, if you're 40 and up, you're probably starting to accumulate some types of sun damage, actinic keratoses are one of them, red flaky areas that you need to actually have burned off with liquid nitrogen, but with good skincare, cleansing, moisturizing, sun protection, and exfoliation with good products, like what I recommended for you, Dr. Joseph Uman, you can prevent photo damage and prevent these uh, lesions from forming, or at least keep them at bay. So I'd love for you to get into detail about what you shared with me when uh, you sought me out for a console and you blew my mind with, uh, with, with skin lesions and Parkinson's, I believe. What's the connection there? Sure. So um, the seed was first planted in my mind when I was studying embryology in medical school. And I realized that the brain, the, the brain, the spinal cord, 
originates from something inside the embryo called the ectoderm. The ectoderm is basically what becomes skin, but the skin, the ectoderm is what drives the neural tube formation and subsequently brain and uh, what becomes the brain and spinal cord. So, uh, you know, cell line wise, the brain and skin are intimately related. And that stuck in the back of my mind. And I thought, well, you know, this is kind of interesting. Maybe what happens on the skin can actually be a reflection of what's what's going on in the brain. In other words, the, the metabolic soup that's occurring in the skin probably is a great reflection of the metabolic soup of what's going on in the brain. Uh, Later on in my uh, residency, my movement disorders uh, uh, professor, he told me that a very interesting thing is associated with Parkinson's. So it's, it's a skin condition called seborrheic dermatitis. And he said that a lot of times Parkinson's will start more one-sided, uh, so it may be more right arm before the left arm gets involved or more right side of the body before the left. There is a little bit of an asymmetric onset, and he said in his experience that a lot of times he would see the seborrheic dermatitis, uh, sebderm lesions, more on, on the side that was affected. Uh, so I found that really fascinating. I uh, didn't know what to do with the information, but it it was very interesting. Just an FYI, if you're watching this on the Rachel Varga official YouTube channel, Facebook, LinkedIn, I have a slide of what seborrheic dermatitis looks like. Um, we tend to actually, I see this clinically, an uptick with changes of season, right? With skin inflammation, with changes of season. Um, but I had no idea that there's a connection between the brain but after a couple car accidents, um, I was having some issues actually with my scalp and I even had breakouts all on my neck. And then what the, what I ended up doing was master just intuitively. I knew I needed to do cold therapy for pain, for pain control, and also to master my autonomic nervous system because my head got rocked and I knew something was up. And so, yeah, ketogenic diet, I did, I did a recent long fast, as I mentioned, when we connected and cold therapy for autonomic nervous system mastery is what I would like to call it. But if you're having skin inflammation like this, like if you were to go to a general dermatologist, what would they say, Dr. Joseph Uman, compared to what you might say? Well, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not a dermatologist, but I would say this is a type of skin inflammation. And really to solve it, you have to address the biochemical dysfunction behind it. A lot of that is, I would say, waste products from our own metabolism, as well as possibly also waste products from the bacteria living within us. And the way you control bacteria in the body is by what you feed them. <laughs> you control food, you control population, uh, and, and that, that affects bacterial populations as well. And so what you choose to feed these bacteria, a lot of times we think eating is for ourselves, right? But it's really, uh, you know, a lot for the bacteria inside us. There are so many things that we can't digest, we can't break down, uh, but the bacteria can, and they they leave behind products that are consumed for other bacteria. And you know, around and around the cycle goes. It's it's a 
it's a closed loop. But uh, but yeah, that's that's what I would try to tell them. Number one is in order to decrease inflammation, the first thing you've got to do is decrease uh, your insulin levels. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Bottom line is insulin drives inflammation. Uh, we think of insulin in the medical profession as just something that lowers sugar. Even when I'm talking to this with a patient, they, the first thing I say, they say, when I say, I say, you need to lower your insulin as well. My sugar has been normal. My hemoglobin A1C has been normal. The problem with looking, there's a good reason we look at blood sugars and it's important to control blood sugars. It's very important, but it, to me, it's not so much the blood sugar. It's really the insulin level required to control the blood sugar. So if you have a really, really high insulin level required to control that blood sugar, even though your blood sugar is normal, I think you can get all the same complications that a diabetic gets just by virtue of that high insulin level. So I see this all the time. Patients come into me with neuropathy and they don't have diabetes. They've been checked several times for diabetes. And I'm telling them, well, I, my personal opinion is I think it's your insulin levels. Number one, you need to lower your insulin. And the only way to do that is to cut sugars and be kind of attuned to what sort of carbs spike your insulin. And, and sometimes you kind of have to feel that there's, there's no other way, but uh, you can measure blood sugars. But again, blood sugars are the net effect of what the insulin is. Insulin to me is really a growth hormone. Okay. And so any condition where you have excessive growth or proliferation, you need to turn down the signal that does that, all right? And, and so, you know, insulin just doesn't control blood sugar. It turns on protein synthesis. Uh, it, it, it literally shifts sugar into the cells so that the cells can get the energy to start replicating, right? And there's a lot of excess replication in the skin layers that's occurring with these conditions, and it's not coming off fast enough. And, and so uh, that's part of why you see the, the flaking, and, and it's just out of control growth. There's also an autoimmune component to, to these things. And, and so the immune system starts getting involved and generating inflammation. And sometimes our own tissues get cost, caught in the crossfire. The body learns to recognize these tissues. And then all of a sudden you've got autoimmune processes occurring on, on top of this. And so uh, step number one, lower the insulin. Uh, and, and step number two would be to eat more healthy fats. And again, it, it's, it's not so much the fat. I mean, the fat is very important to form your cell membrane. I mean, there is no getting around take all the water out of the brain, roughly 60% is fat. Uh, you, there's no way to good way to support brain health without eating healthy fats. I mean, fats are absolutely critical in my world. And uh, I just try to make sure they're getting it from healthy food sources. That's the absolute key. Uh, but I'm more after what the fats are doing to the body signal-wise. Again, if you want to control something, another thing to, to do, whether it's an organization or the human body, control communication, right? <laughs> that, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, something that uh, I think everyone has experienced, you know, censorship and everything like that. But uh, you control communication, you control an organization, and that, that happens with the body too. And so controlling these hormones like insulin, controlling these hormones like leptin are absolutely critical for 
um, normalizing the biochemistry because these signals are what are regulating the biochemistry. So the three big ones you have to control, insulin, an intracellular signal called mTOR, which interestingly was uh, the darling of the anti-aging <laughs> world when it came out, and, uh, and then um, and then also leptin. You get these three things right. The insulin is regulated by your carbon take, mTOR by protein, leptin by fat. And so everybody's a little bit different, and and but getting these three signals um, aligned at proper levels is a key to balancing biochemical health. Um, you know, another piece of this uh, Sebderm puzzle uh, came into play when I heard a news story that a woman in Scotland uh, learned how to smell Parkinson's. <laughs> Can you believe that? She could actually smell when a person had Parkinson's and her, she's a retired nurse, interestingly. And I can actually tell a lot about somebody when I work with them and I smell them. It's really funny when people are kind of like low vibe, they're really not looking after themselves, they're kind of upset with themselves, their life, they're trying to put a bandaid on what's going on in their life with rejuvenation. They have a certain smell when I walk past people. And I smell like the downy fabric softener or laundry <laughs> detergent. I'm like, well, they're probably pretty toxic in all many aspects of their life. if They're using those heavily scented products. So I feel you on the concept of being able to smell stuff on people. Uh -huh. um, I can actually smell differences on my husband when he's extra stressed out or right now he's in a fight camp. Uh, he's a six-time pro world champion kickboxer because he's giving off different metabolic processes. So get back to this, please. Um, how she could smell Parkinson's and was it related to maybe something that was being given off um, with people that had subderm too? They later found out it was. So she described the smell as kind of a musky smell. Uh, I, I, I can't smell it yet, but <laughs> if, if I uh, uh, give me a little practice and training, I might be able to. But uh, they actually identified by mass spec some of the compounds that she was smelling and detecting with her nose. It's just amazing. The human brain is an incredible chemo sensor. It's <laughs> uh, get somebody to do that uh, without any technology. And, and, and we have to do mass spec to figure out what's going on. Oh, I wonder if we can mass spec the smell of a bear because... I smell bears when I'm in the woods all the time. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, so there, there, there's a few compounds that were there. There, there was, uh, I, I may not remember them all right, but I, I think one was hippuric acid. Another was icosane. And another one was, I think, hexadecanoic acid. I'm not sure. These are kind of organic acids, byproducts of metabolism that are produced or I think the body is trying to get rid of them and skin is an important detoxification organ and it, it gets excreted through the, um, the, the, the kind of oily sweat glands. So you have water sweat glands and then more of the sebaceous uh, sweat glands that, that secrete oil. And, and, and if we're giving off tests. more, if we're giving off more organic acids, Acids have a pretty pungent smell, like if you think about vinegar for a second. And if you also think about people that are more unhealthy compared to others, they're more acidic because they're eating the wrong foods. They are 
um, drinking pop, they're drinking lots of coffee, they're having dairy, they're having gluten, they're doing everything to make their body more acidic. So that's probably what I'm smelling too on certain individuals that are unhealthy is they're, they're just giving off all these acids in the form of organic compounds that yes, we can see uh, through spectroscopy. Um, I just want to quickly jump in here for today's sponsor of the show. Today's sponsor of the Rachel Parker podcast is Organifi. I love their protein powder. I'm sipping on their protein right now. I'm just about done. It's delightful. And also their adaptogenic juice powder blends for key nutrients and adaptogens throughout the day. I'll start my morning with the Harmony, with the green juice, uh, with the sometimes I'll put in my coffee the gold or the harmony if I have coffee and then midday I'll have like the red juice or the glow formula and then in the evening maybe I'll have a little bit more of the golden or the harmony and use promo code Varga at Organifi.com slash Varga and save 20%. These are all glyphosate free. They're not going to break your fast. So they're going to keep you in that ketogenic state, which uh, Dr. Os Joseph Uman, I'm with you on the importance of staying ketogenic and not being acidic. So these are also alkalining components because they're full of greens. It's less time. It's more time effective and more cost effective to actually use the Organifi juice powder blends than to try and juice yourself or go to the market and buy a juice. And they come in canisters, they come in to-go packets. So you, Dr. Joseph Uman, could even have these while you're at the clinic uh, b b between clients. So I Absolutely. love this type of product, Organifi. I, so thanks, thanks for sponsoring the show. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, thanks for sponsoring the show. And I love the pumpkin spice personally. Uh, yeah, that's the gold one. The <laughs> I know. It, have you tried it in coffee yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> oh, it is so, so good. And you can even make desserts with the Organifi products too, like for your kids. They're actually really fun for kids to have too. And they're like a couple bucks a serving. So pretty uh, economical way to get those superfoods throughout the day. So if you, if you're kind of like feeling a little laggy mid clinical day, you could maybe have um, some of the red juice as just like a, a little midday boost, but I'd love to get back to this conversation of the skin health and the brain health connection. So if I'm looking at someone and they have different skin lesions popping up, I think, okay, right away, they got to get on a basic skincare protocol and exfoliation to help this inappropriate skin cell replication that's actually leading to a buildup of scaly, scaliness to the skin or lumps and bumps and things like that. So like a basic skincare protocol is going to be really good at, at that. But that, now what you're also saying is to reduce the acidity in the body in a roundabout way, I kind of picked picked that up from you so that we're not through the skin um, almost off gassing in a way these acidic compounds because the internal body is acidic um, so that's it's fascinating that's probably what I smell on certain individuals is their acidic nature because when I work with my radiant clients they don't really have any body odors aside from maybe the fantastic essential oils that they <laughs> might be using but what's this link between the skin lesions and the brain lesions? I, I, I just want to clarify that. I think it's just related to this replication of this inappropriate replication, which is also essentially what cancer is. But when we have things like subderm on the skin, 
what is that telling us about what's going on in the brain? So the, the metabolism is, is, is very similar and you are producing these metabolic byproducts and it's because of dysregulated chemical reactions. And if you see that occurring on the skin, you know, similar things are occurring in the brain. Uh, so uh, the, it turns out that these things that she was smelling were actually the same compounds that were irritating the skin to cause sebderm. So it kind of closed that little mystery there, which was absolutely fascinating. Now, another interesting aspect about what's going on in Parkinson's is that there's an abnormal buildup of protein uh, in all the neurodegenerative conditions. So all those ones that you listed at the beginning where, where I see these patients, frontotemporal dementia patients, they have a buildup of something called tau protein. Uh, Alzheimer's patients, they have a buildup of amyloid protein. Um, uh, there's Lewy bodies and Parkinson's. The most common, uh, that's, that's specifically the Lewy body variant of Parkinson's, but just uh, Parkinson's disease in general, you have a buildup of something called alpha-synuclein. Now, uh, very, very recently, a brand new test came out for Parkinson's. Most of the time, uh, Parkinson's, you know, our, our way of diagnosing it was listen to the patient, get the history, and examine, and you make the diagnosis. Uh, something called the DAT scan came out a while back, and then um, very, very recently, a skin biopsy can now be used to diagnose Parkinson's. And the way they're, what they're doing is they're staining the skin for alpha-synuclein, right? And it, it makes perfect sense. They, they are the, cell same, the same cell line. And if this protein is building up in the skin or building up in the brain, there's a chance it may building up, be building up in the skin. And that's now been validated as, as a test for Parkinson's. And so, uh, again, my thoughts on that are the, these excess proteins. Again, to me, that just, this is more intuition, but it points more towards excessive insulin levels and insulin resistance you know you may have heard that uh, it's the saying that uh, alzheimer's should really be renamed and called type 3 diabetes it's basically insulin resistance affecting the brain and if you really think about what it means to be insulin resistant you're resistant to the signal that moves sugar from your bloodstream into the body tissues like the brain now, the brain is a little bit more susceptible to this issue because it does not have its own metabolic machinery to metabolize protein or fat. So its primary source of fuel is going to be sugar in most individuals. Well, that's a, that's a catch-22 because if the brain senses it needs more energy, it gets sugar cravings, and then you eat more sugar, you raise your insulin, you become more insulin resistant, and round and round that goes. Or it wakes you up in the middle of the night looking for glycogen stores at 3 a.m. <laughs> you got it. Yep. <laughs> that's exactly what happens. So uh, the, uh, the solution is to for the brain to seek help from other members in its community, the organs, uh, especially the liver. And when insulin 
when the liver sees insulin, it shuts down the ability to produce ketones. That's one of the other direct effects of insulin is it shuts down the liver's ability to ketone. So uh, produce ketones. So if you lower your insulin and you're eating healthy fat, all of a sudden the, the liver is free to convert those fats into ketones. And now all of a sudden the brain has energy. And it's almost like the movie Awakenings, <laughs> where people are, are just, wow, I can think now. I can perform these thinking tasks. The, the brain fog is starting to lift. And, you know, you hear so much about this brain fog in, in the general population. I hear it a lot in my migraine patients. And you start to see how all of this is just tied in together, so much so that I don't think there's like 20,000, 30,000 different medical conditions that I had to learn about in medical school anymore. To me, 90 to 95% of what I'm seeing is inflammation. And depending on what organ system it hits determines which doctor you see, right? But we're all trying to treat the same problem. And interestingly, it boils down to lifestyle. And it's our habits that create these metabolic dysfunctions. And so if you can change the habits, you can potentially, at a grassroots level, change the entire biochemistry. You can give yourself a biochemical makeover. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get nitty gritty with what we can do for strategies um, for restoring and maintaining our health. And a couple of things just came up that I just love, would love to share here and add on to what you mentioned is looking after the immune system. When I started to follow something called the FLCCC protocols a couple of years ago, you know, that's with all the top docs, my scientific roundtable colleagues, you know, I was meeting with since day one, the top epidemiologists, the top vaccinologists in Canada and beyond. We were meeting every Wednesday, looking over the international data. And I started doing the FLCCC protocols and sure enough, started to feel awesome. My brain fog uh, started to improve my headaches. I have really had to do this stuff to focus on keeping inflammation down because when my inflammation crept back up, I'd get headaches again. I'd get pretty significant whiplash pain that was inter interfering with my ability to, you know, even go to conferences and sit down at lectures. I'd be that person even just recently standing at the back of the room until I did this ketogenic long fast and telling you it made a huge difference for me. So focusing on immune system health. So some of my favorite things are NAC, Cusiturin, a green tea extract, zinc. So I do have a wonderful product actually on the e-store at rachelvarga.ca. I take that one all the time. The first sign of not feeling great, I'll pop those. The other thing I wanted to mention was this toxic bucket theory. So you talk about it as maintaining the garden. I talk about it as keeping this toxic bucket as empty as possible. And I actually spoke on this in a recent paper I published in the Journal of Aesthetic Nursing. It's a UK paper. It's open source. You can check it out at rachelvarga.ca research on rejuvenation algorithms. And first and foremost, it's a lifestyle. And anybody that has an autoimmune condition, I'm putting in my art, my papers, my last three papers, be very uh, cognizant of a good faith health exam each and every time you're looking at doing a rejuvenation um, treatment on somebody. And this is really important so that if they have something running in the background, their toxic bucket is kind of showing signs of being full, like having support dermatitis. I mean, your brain and your body's saying something. So in those cases, if the health isn't 
able to tolerate a rejuvenation procedure like a laser, like an injectable, because it does impact it's a degree of toxicity in a way because it's uh, resulting in a, a bit of inflammation and a bit of healing. You're going to have an uptick in things. So, you know, rejuvenation practitioners are meeting with me that see that I'm looking at things more functionally and the byproduct of me doing all this biohacking stuff and health optimization and connecting with amazing leaders like yourself, Dr. Joseph Uman, over 350 interviews I've hosted. This is the overarching theme. It's reducing inflammation. And one of my favorite omegas to take is actually the dermal anti-aging formula also on my e-store. That's a 15 plus year of third-party independent lab testing. There's also the SPM active on the shop as well. And I was taking these for my brain, but then I started to see all the skin benefits. And when my head got rocked in the first car crash, in the second car crash, not too long after, I had breakouts all over my neck, which was really unusual. So that told me, and I was able to intuit this, that that was inflammation coming out through my skin from my brain. And now it all makes perfect sense because you said that the skin and the brain cell lines are totally connected. So some of my favorite strategies for restoring and maintaining health are eating the right foods. So if you go to my favorites page, which I've directed you to also Dr. Joseph Uman, uh, there's the Viome test that you can actually take to get specific food recommendations. There's promo codes, affiliate links at rachelbarker.ca slash favorites. Check out the show notes of this episode again for ways to connect with Dr. Joseph Uman and also um, where to shop, where to check out my favorites. But I got tons of resources for all of you to help you get the best hair, skin and nails of your life from a product perspective using clean non-toxic products and also good supplements to support your overall garden, right? We, we don't want to use, you know, glyphosate fertilizers and stuff like that, but we want to use antioxidants and adaptogens and omegas. Um, collagen, antioxidants, and omegas are some of my three favorite things to do to support the skin. But inevitably, it's also going to be supporting the brain. And when I feel my most clearest neurologically, it's also when my skin looks the most clear. Mm-hmm. So 100%, I notice this in myself, just anecdotally, when I look my best, I also feel my best. And when I don't feel my best, I feel like my skin does look a little bit sluggish. So it's really, really fascinating. And uh, what are some of your favorite strategies for restoring and maintaining health that you, your wife, your family do? And what do you like to share with your clients? Sure. So I use a couple of interesting strategies. Um, One is copper zinc balance. Uh, It's interesting. Copper has been uh, thought to accelerate the formation of amyloid plaque. So having the proper balance between copper and zinc, and and again, it's a balance thing. I'm not going to say one is important, the other isn't. you know, with, with COVID and everything, I think, you know, everybody's on zinc now. And one of the things I wonder about is, okay, is the copper doing okay? Because you do need that too. And, and uh, you're familiar with the copper peptides and, and its role in, in skin and just how critical it is. I mean, copper is extremely important, but it's important to have that balance between copper and zinc. Uh, zinc does a lot of interesting things in terms of uh, de- uh, detoxification. 
It's very important in heavy metal detoxification. So when you take zinc, what you're one of the things you're doing <laughs> is uh, you're you're getting um, you're upregulating at a gene level the production of a protein called metallothionine. This belongs to some, a, a family of molecules called superoxide dismutase, but it's important for binding and getting rid of um, toxins, especially heavy metals in the brain. So uh, you know. Looking at, at their copper-zinc balance is another thing. Another thing that I think is important is the what we call methylation status. I'm sure you're aware of that and how important it is, but that has so many implications all the way from neurological issues, and I never realized how much neurological issues there were uh, with, with respect to, to methylation status, but methylation, the first thing that I associated with that ever in, in, in med school was, you know, cancer, you know, uh, methylation is like closing a, a closing a book in terms of uh, the genes and, and acetylation is opening your books. And so you can be over methylated or under methylated and that can, that can predispose you to um, different issues. But in, in the, in the neurologic and psychiatric world, mental health is extremely important when it comes to uh, methylation. You know, your, your foliar your your methylfolate your uh, th these things are like SSRIs uh, you know and and they, they have similar uh, they, they're acting at a genetic level all right uh, instead of just kind of at a reuptake inhibition level you're you're actually changing things at a genetic level which is so interesting because food now communicates with the body what the genes need to do and and it's just it's just amazing i could go on forever about that but uh optimizing methylation status methylation is also important for the detoxification pathways detoxification detoxification does not occur another interesting brain skin connection is histamine okay and your methylation status is is reflected by your whole blood histamine levels all right. So if if you are and, and I spot this pretty quickly when I when I see patients that, you know, and they say, oh, Southeast Texas, lots of allergies. Well, maybe everybody here is a little bit undermethylated and and uh, we have really high histamine. So we're sensitive to the smallest little antigen, uh, whole, uh, you know, high histamine. It, it's it's a it's a fascinating story. These there histamine, first of all is a neurotransmitter. That's that's where I, I kind of know about it, but it, it mediates allergies, right? Uh, it mediates hives. You think about what's going on in the brain and, and coming out on the skin. Hives is an example of, of how brain and skin are, are connected that way. Um, so yeah, and, and, and your histamine levels are, are largely determined by your, your methylation status. So that's another thing that I like to help my patients fine tune. Um, and then, um, uh, yeah, then amino acids, right? So if you look at the production line, um, and, and just, just as an aside, the, uh, the, another brain skin connection is, is that serotonin, dopamine, all of these things are, are heavily used by the skin. All right. Uh, there was a very recent article, kind of technical, but it showed the serotonin uh, connection to psoriasis, okay? You know, the skin actually has its own built-in 
HPA axis. So that, that's the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. It has something like that, an autonomous thing like that built into itself. Okay. <laughs> it's using serotonin. It's using histamine. It's using dopamine. An another brain skin connection there. Parkinson's patients, we have to watch out for melanoma. Okay. And a lot of times when I start treating my Parkinson's patients, I'm simultaneously sending them to the dermatologist to be monitored for the development of, of melanoma. Okay. And, and, you know, um, there's, there's melanin and, and, um, dopamine, they are biochemically affected by each other. And when you start looking at the, um, the biochemical pathways, so there's, there's tons of, of connections here, uh, between brain and skin, uh, and, uh, amino acids are the building blocks for a lot of trans neurotransmitters. Uh, B vitamins are also very key in building these neurotransmitters. So sometimes when I want to take a brute force approach and boost somebody's serotonin levels or boost their dopamine levels, if they have symptoms of dopamine deficiency, uh, what I'll do is I'll manipulate amino acids so that you can push certain of these biochemical reactions forward. And, and you can choose them strategically because there are self-feedback loops. And so if you want to bypass those loops, you supplement one step past the feedback inhibition step. And that gives you kind of a, a kind of brute force control, I guess uh, you could call it in, in terms of, of uh, manipulating those neurotransmitters. And that is really one way to approach. I, I think that might be um, called uh, biohacking perhaps. Yes. It's, it's uh biohacking, genetic hacking. It's, it's all of that. It's, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Some of the things that you mentioned, when you mentioned histamine, one of the, whenever I listen to a podcast, I always hear people say, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that. But then it's like, okay, I know I have to do that. But like, actually, how do I do that? So when we're talking about reducing histamines, I actually did this with my nutritionist, because I was looking at all the different ways to reduce headaches. And she actually said reducing histamine is a great way to do it. So notice which foods trigger sneezing because you said histamines, allergies. When you have allergies, you sneeze a lot, right? It's a histamine response. Every time I drink orange juice, I sneeze within like five to 10 minutes. So clearly I know that I'm not supposed to have orange juice, which is not amazing because I kind of like it. But and every time in the morning, if I'm out and I have some orange juice, it's just like sneezing. So notice that. And another tip for reducing your histamines is actually not eating food leftovers over 24 hours. Because after that time, the foods begin to produce histamines, which can lead to low level inflammation. Other foods that are triggers for headaches and histamines are things like blue cheese, which actually um, I was seeing a highly specialized physiatrist and she actually even mentioned uh, reducing blue cheese and aged cheese intake because of that. And 100% what you mentioned about amino acids, um, I did a pretty hefty amino acid alkaline based cleanse. This is the Perium cleanse that I was talking to you about with you. Mm -hmm. You can get that on my favorites page that you're basically taking this super alkaline protein, you're popping a bunch of amino acids three times a day. 
And then I started to clear parasites. And then what I also started to notice an increase in was brain function and then an increase in energy and then an increase in the beauty of my skin and yeah, energy, visual acuity, it all started to happen with the Purium cleanse and taking amino acids. And then when you're mentioning copper peptide and zinc balancing, I actually went and grabbed one of my favorite products on the e-story collagenics for the support of connective tissue formation. Cause I know that there's a bunch of different cofactors and sure enough, there's both zinc and copper peptide in here. So just kind of is validating to me too, speaking with you that, you know, the products and things that I offer are definitely in alignment with what you're mentioning as well. And just working with good formulations. I would love, I, we've gone over an hour here. Clearly we could nerd out and talk forever. I'm for sure going to have you back on the show, Joseph Thuman. And we'll be working together um, as a client and in skin camp. We have our, our next session tomorrow, by the way. So I'll oh, see you there. <laughs> I know. We Do you look forward to the skin cam sessions oh, on Saturday mornings? Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I started out so specialized and, and I thought I would be you know, so specialized in my career. And, 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 but what I've learned is in order to help one specific system, you have to help the whole system. And when you find somebody that's learned how to help one particular system, you can learn a lot about what they're doing and extrapolate that to the brain in terms of brain health. So... <laughs> I love it. I'm sure that some of the ways that you see me work in skin camp and group coaching and where I do the tutorials and expand on things and in the one-on-one, -on -one, I'm sure you'll be taking some of that insight into your clinical practice too. And I hear this actually from other doctors and nurses and practitioners that work with me. They want to see how I work. They want to see the level of detail that I give on different topics. And then they take it into their practice too. So, you know, the more people that have these insights to be better, brighter, more high vibe, more radiant humans, it's just going to help the world be a better place. And I'm so grateful that there's docs like you. I mean, I'm part of a huge network of about 500 in um, primarily in the USA that are Western trained, but then also have the, the more holistic understanding too. And I just, I really commend physicians like you that actually have the desire to learn about nutrition and all of this stuff, but you usually have to go into private practice to do it. It's almost okay. practice in the way that, that you see as fit, you know, using your judgment. And uh, yeah, I know there's lots of listeners in Texas and all the stuff in Beaumont area that I'm sure are going to want to ring you up. So everybody, Dr. Joseph Uman's contact details, you can reach his practice are in the show notes of this episode. Do you have any closing words for us today here in this very fun, exciting interview together? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, again, I think, you know, approaching the body holistically and not just the body, um, it, but the mind as well is extremely important. Taking care of the mind, uh, I, I, I've seen the need for that so much more in my practice. 
Uh, and so, uh, you know, some of my favorite techniques there, you know, meditation. Uh, also, if you're really trying to see where you are on the balance of autonomic uh, nervous system, uh, heart rate variability uh, comes in as such a useful tool. Uh, it, it helps, it, it gives them direct feedback. Where am I on this map? Am, am I, am I, you know, uh, am I too much on the sympathetic side? Am I too much on the parasympathetic side? It's really about balance between the two. And, and when you do have an event that triggers sympathetic activity, have you shifted more into the parasympathetic state to recover from that? And, you know, we, we have intuitive senses of this, you know, we need rest. And then at the same time, we need to be out there doing stuff, contributing to the world. And so um, balance is key. And uh, I think if you start with balance in the mind, everything else flows from there. So it, it's, it's a, again, you know, you can, you can approach things from a very physical perspective, you can approach things from a mental perspective. I've, you know, it, it, the spontaneous remission world, uh, in terms of cancer, it's so interesting to read these stories, but well, that's the esoteric world that I'd love to add that layer to, right. Balancing the masculine, the feminine, the energetic, the bioenergetics, electromagnetics. I mean, that's all considered like the esoteric stuff, but in actuality, it's, it's actually quite physical. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and where is that line? You know, <laughs> it's uh, it becomes blurred when you start delving into it. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, sometimes uh, these things are on on a circle. You know, if if uh, if you go too far in one direction, you see the other extreme as as well. So um, people have had healing experiences from sorting out things that have gone in their mind and cases of stage three, stage four cancer have spontaneously resolved, quote unquote. To me, it's not so spontaneous if, if it was driven by something, but uh, that's the, uh, the the medical term for it, spontaneous remissions. But uh, I, I think it's important to uh, consider that aspect of things uh, if you truly want to treat the entire body. Mm -hmm. I have a final question for you. Sure. Is there a side of the brain that's more masculine and feminine? Because I understand that the right side of the body is like the masculine side. The left side of the body is the feminine side. But from a neurologist's perspective, is there a side of the brain that's more masculine and feminine? That's an interesting question to answer. Um, one of the tests that I do to help uh, uh, when I was doing more specifically epilepsy in, in academics was something called the WADA test. And the WADA test is very interesting because what we do is we inject an anesthetic into one of the carotid arteries so that we can put half the brain to sleep and talk to the other half, okay? <laughs> and so um, uh, I've, I've run into other colleagues who've done the WADA test, and it's interesting. They ask the right brain what you wanted, or the left brain, what did you want to do? And, and it usually ends up whatever their, their character or their current profession was, whether it was, you know, physician, engineer, whatever. Yes, the right brain, it actually answers race car driver. So these are kind of the, the dreams that you had. Um, in terms of left brain, I've, I've thought of it as kind of a more, more kind of primary, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to describe, but the right brain, I think of as more our social hemisphere. 
all the social cues, tasks, the melody, the intonation of my voice, how I can understand and interpret your, your voice, uh, all of that, uh, the social aspect of, of brain function is all driven by the right side if you are right-handed, okay? If you are left-handed and you have a family history of left-handed, you have twice as high a chance of being left hemisphere dominant as you do right, but still the majority of left-handers are still right brain dominant. Sorry, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> but That's uh, pretty cool. But I, I think that, you know, when, when you look at cultural things, there's there's different ways of saying it. And, and when you start to look at it through medical eyes, you're say, seeing, my goodness, they're talking about the same thing. They're just using different language for it, you know? And so um, uh, I, I, I don't know how, I, you know, I would think the, the left brain is more masculine, if I would say, and the right brain is more uh, feminine, uh, maybe more nurturing the social aspect of things. Um, uh, so um, that's that's what I would answer off the seat of my cuff. <laughs> Very cool. And I'm, I mean, of course, having a background as an Indian, I'm sure you see this with Ayurvedic medicine, with the overlaps and just the different terminologies. But it's funny when you get to the root cause of how to be healthy, no matter where you've come from in the world, at what time, they usually end up filtering down to a couple key similar principles, don't they? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ayurvedic, they talk about vata and pitta. And, um, you know, you can kind of translate that into sympathetic and parasympathetic. And they kind of have a middle state too. But uh, it's just, uh, it's interesting to see how these people, and, you know, the intrinsic wisdom of these people in terms of being able to discover this just blows my mind away. How did these people know this stuff so long ago and they were actually very advanced in implementing it and, and practicing it. I mean, the degree of autonomic control that a yogi has is just mind-blowing. They can, they can create delta waves in their brain while still remaining awake. They can call the stage three sleep while awake. I mean, how transcendent is that? That's just amazing. And they started with observations. They, they saw how the world works and made, you know, simple conclusions from that. And, and eventually it grew and grew past generations. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal store of information. And I, I really don't want to see it die. You know, we, we, we poo-poo it as, oh, that's ancient technology. It's outdated. My goodness, these people had real wisdom. And, and digging that cultural wisdom up, I think is, is an important task uh, for, for humanity too. Wonderful. Very eloquently said. So let's wrap this episode up on this because we could nerd out on this stuff forever. We definitely have to do a part two, part three. I'd love to have you as the regular neurologist on the Rachel Barker podcast. <laughs> that would be neat. <laughs> So thank you everyone for joining us here on the Rachel Varga podcast. It has been a pleasure. This has been a particularly fun episode for me to record learning about the skin and brain connection because I had a sneaking suspicion that there most certainly was one from personal experiences with breakouts, following a brain stuff. And I mean, that's not good for business for me, right? If I have breakouts after something that's happened to me that's out of my control, I sure as heck was motivated to fix that and, uh, and help myself out on my healing journey. And I 
I'm just here as a humble human to share the process with you and amazing practitioners and healers like Dr. Joseph Uman, who clearly are here to help people be better and are willing to do the work behind the scenes, to go to events, to read research, to kind of sometimes even practice a little bit outside the box and combine the best of many worlds, which um, someone like Dr. Joseph Uman are some of my favorite types of practitioners that I love to highlight here on the show. So if you have any questions from today's episode, don't hesitate to reach out to Dr. Joseph Uman or myself. Our contact details are in the description of this episode. Check out some of my favorite products to help you out with your skin, slowing aging, skincare, dermal rollers, beauty products, hair, skin, nail supplements, third-party lab tested on the Rachel Varga e-store and do what just Dr. Joseph Uman did book a one-on-one session with me. Use promo code podcast 15 for 15% off of your session actually just opened up a couple of session times for next week. So if you're curious about booking a call, don't hesitate, do it now. And also take my skin camp. That is where all of my skin care tutorials happen where I kind of expand on things that I won't share for free here on the show. So your consultation with me is your one-on-one customized guidance at home and in the clinic, product specific recommendations, and then the skin camp is how to use everything. It's like the icing on the cake, join live, catch the replays, watch those dermal rolling live tutorial demos that I don't share anywhere else. Get the slightly more off the cuff version of me. When you do actually pay to communicate with me, you will get quite a bit more from me than you do on the show here, which is kind of fun. And stay tuned for something really big behind the scenes where I'm teaching you how to become your most high vibe radiant person in regards to your speech, in regards to your mindset, your posture, your grooming. And this will enhance your personal and professional aspects of yourself look at it as a personal and professional self-development program so stay tuned because this is happening soon and teaching radiance is something that is near and dear to my heart and i really feel like when we're all more high vibe healthier radiant humans that's our part in making this world a better place and leading by example so thank you thank you thank you dr joseph uman for being on the show here it's been a pleasure and i look forward to having you back and i'll see you tomorrow in skin camp Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. It was a great conversation. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Be sure to subscribe, like, share this episode with a friend or family member. Get the word out that the Rachel Varga podcast is the place to be, to be your most high vibe, radiant and beautiful self. Thank you, everyone.